0: It's post-Labor Day, and that means we are one step closer to the start of the new college basketball seasons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Bob Rathman here in Atlanta, and we are so thrilled to kick off our podcast today with our Jersey Mike's news and notes. We have award winners to announce. Our Naismith Women's and Men's College Officials of the Year have been announced, and we congratulate Mark Zentz and Mike Stevens. Mark Zentz is the 2023 Naismith Women's College Official of the Year and Michael Stevens, the 23 Naismith Men's College Official. Now, just so you know, to be eligible for this award, a referee must have been involved with the sport as a game official for a minimum of 20 years and have worked the NCAA tournament and a conference tournament as a game official and must be retired from on-court officiating. And both of these gentlemen did yeoman's work while they were on the floor. Zentz was an active official for 31 years. He worked 24 NCAA tournaments, three Final Fours, and the 2015 National Championship game as our Women's College Official of the Year. Michael Stevens currently a coordinator, but on the court he was unbelievable. From 2011 to 2019, he officiated in three Final Four games, and four national championship games an incredible stretch of officiating so we congratulate mark zentz our women's college official of the year and michael stevens our 23 naismith men's college official of the year they'll be honored at their regional clinics in october my guest this week is john wilner from the bay area news group he's been covering the pac-12 for decades college football and basketball expert out west and we want to get the latest with what's happened with ACC expansion as it pertains to Cal and Stanford. And that conversation will be coming up right after this from Jersey Mike's. Good news,
1: there's a Jersey Mike's coming to your area. You probably got a ton of questions, so I'll try to answer some. Yes, the meat and cheese for every cold sub is freshly sliced right in front of you. Yes, we grill every hot sub right in front of you. No, we do not accept pirate doubloons for payment. Yes, we have catering. 12 subs in a box. No, our
0: restaurants are not haunted. I hope. Okay, congrats on the New Jersey Mikes. A sub above. It's a great pleasure to welcome into the podcast this week, John Wilner from the Barrier News Group. He's been covering college athletics, the Pac-12, for decades. And nobody has his finger on the pulse of what's happening out west better than John Thank you, John, so much, first and foremost, for taking time to be with us. How are you? I'm good, thanks.
1: Uh, You know, glad to have uh, this focus turned to what's going on on the field a little bit. You know, get back to the competition after what has been a very chaotic uh, summer out here.
0: (laughs) And it's it's so crazy. I was watching the football scores last weekend, and the Pac-12 wins game after game after game. And here we are talking about you know, it's down to the pack two from the pack twelve and they are like starting what could be an epic college football season. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean it may be the best league in the country this year. We'll
1: see. Uh it it's been very highly anticipated since the end of last season and when a whole bunch of the, the quarterbacks, the star quarterbacks decided to come back to school. Everybody figured it was could be a really good year and at that point nobody quite expected that it would be the last year and yet here we are.
0: Well John the conference realignment situation of course is driven by football but we here at the Naismith Awards and college basketball fans everywhere and you're you're an AP voter you you know you're knee deep into basketball as much as you are football so we want to get a perspective on what's happening out west as just to us it seems overnight Uh, The Pac 12 fell apart. Now, it it wasn't overnight, of course, with UCLA and USC, et cetera. But I think about the plight of San Diego State. Here's a team that the men's basketball team goes to the Final Four. They are going to bed one night thinking they're going to wake up the next morning in the Pac 12. Not only are they not in the Pac 12, the conference they had hoped to join has gone away. What is happening out west? (laughs) Well, The the demise, uh, ultimate
1: collapse of the Pac-12 has been 10 or 12 years in the making. A lot of things happened. A lot of strategic blunders happened over the course of years that set everything on this path. There were still, before it went over the cliff, there were still a couple of uh, detours it could have taken, and yet nobody was able to... Kinda of get the train off the tracks in time and and you know uh, we could go on for days talking about all the mistakes uh but the bottom line is you know poor leadership with from the presidential level and also for two commissioners now uh has has led to this point and We don't know what's going to happen next. Washington State and Oregon State are still in the Pac-12, and they may try to reform the league with a reverse merger with the Mountain West schools. So we'll see. It's possible that the Pac-12 name will continue into the future, but with, you know, 12 new schools, basically.
0: A couple of things strike me, John. First of all, let's talk about Stanford. Uh, Here they come into the Atlantic Coast Conference uh this of course has been an incubator for our olympic program for decades what will become of their sports and what becomes of women's basketball tara vanderveer has of course an annual powerhouse annual final four contender what do you think the ramifications are for the stanford athletic program
1: you know i'm not sure for those sports uh you know, for Tara's program, I don't know that it'll be, have a major impact on the, their ability to get elite level recruits. I mean, the reason Stanford gets elite recruits is because, uh, you know, you get the Stanford degree and you're set up for for life, uh, right? Because that, that's that been her uh, calling card on the recruiting trail for, for decades. That doesn't change. Stanford's still an elite school. What I do wonder about is the impact that the cross country travel is gonna have on the Olympic sports. Right, football, not a big deal. Uh four or five cross country teams, they are Uh you know, it it'll be taxing, but not to the extent that I think it's gonna impact the basketballs especially, right? I mean they're gonna to, men's and to women's basketball are gonna to have to come to the East Coast multiple times for conference games and that's gonna wear them down. So I do think from a competitive standpoint it's gonna be difficult. Uh, for those sports. You know, Saban has 36 sports, I think it is, and the vast majority of them are not going to be super impacted by this because either they play, you know, neutral-site tournaments or they have meets. You know, it's it's really a core group, uh, the soccers, the basketballs, volleyball, you know, that I think are going to have to bear the burden of the cross-country travel, even if the ACC is able to, basically turn SMU into a neutral site host for for the teams on the East Coast and the West Coast, it's still gonna be a ton of travel for, for Stanford's programs over the course of a full season and that's gonna that's gonna have a toll.
0: John, have you gotten any indication of what the scheduling might be like no. for basketball?
1: Big that's a big mystery, right? And I think it's gonna be a long time before we know. Uh you know, it could be another three, four, five months before we have any idea how the ACC is going to manage it. I do know that the ACC basketball teams, you know, where are they going to make one trip out West every two years, I think, uh, any given ACC team. So minimal impact on them. Uh, but Stephen and Cal are going to be schlepping back and forth. Now, what they're going to try to do is limit how many non-conference games they play, you know, outside the Pacific time zone, right? You don't want to have to go, play two or three games across the country, non-conference, and then make several conference trips to the East Coast. So they will try to tear back the amount of travel in non-conference uh, in the non-conference portion of the schedule. But they're going to have to come East multiple times. And, you know, so you get worn down during conference play, and that impacts, you know, your ability to compete. And I just – I wonder what the toll will be like. And they're not the only ones. I mean, USC, UCLA – oregon washington schlepping back and forth for big 10 basketball games it's gonna it's gonna wear on the, the the players
0: we've heard a lot about the impact on the on the men and women who play uh you know a lot of blame for college presidents and network executives and on down the line but john what are the fans saying the people who buy tickets who try to find these games on television what are they saying about all this
1: Well, I think there's some mixed reaction. I've heard from fans who are excited because they were looking at uh, an opportunity. You know, it's stay in a reconstructed Pac-12 without the LA schools and Oregon and Washington, or going to the ACC. So they're excited that their schools have found a home at the at the power conference level, and certainly the basketball fans are thrilled because you know ACC basketball is so great. but there's also you know, I think a lot of fans are disappointed because they're losing a lot of the rivalries, right? That's the big part that's what make, makes college sports and college football especially special, right? Stanford and USC are playing Saturday night. They their their rivalry began in nineteen oh five. And this is the last scheduled game because there's gonna be two different conferences. I don't know if they'll be able to find a way to play or not, uh non conference event. But that's an example Like right? right. A lot of fans are disappointed. Uh Cal UCLA, not gonna be playing every year. So in that regard, you know, fans fans are, are kind of bummed out about it. And
0: you know, I think too, John, about the families, parents, et cetera, uh trying to, to watch their children play. You know, Pac twelve's been spread out. I mean that's the way it is in the West. Uh those of us here in the East don't quite appreciate it, but the West is big and there's a lot of distance between these schools. But I do think about the, the travel and um, and how that impacts you know mom and dad and and uh, grandma and granddad to try to get around to, to see their their youngsters play, and, you know I, that is probably one of the last considerations in all this. But you know that's part of the college experience, right? It is for sure. Now, in some ways, it's better because the Pac-12 these schools aren't
1: going to be uh, stuck on the Pac-12 networks anymore, which nobody can can get. Uh, now they'll be on the ACC network, and and you know the the bigger the the networks that have much greater reach. So from a TV viewing standpoint, it's it's better. But from seeing from seeing their play their their kids in person, yeah, going on the road is going to be tough. I mean, it's I don't know how many families are going to be traveling across the country to see their their kids play. It's it's going to be very difficult. But you're right, that is, you know, on the list of priorities. Uh, that's like eighth,
0: right? And, and
1: which is unfortunate, <laughs> but that's the reality, right? I mean,
0: it's eighth on the list of seven. Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned cable television, and we cannot talk about the financing of college athletics without talking about what's happening in cable TV. And I know that you've got your eye on what's happening with the ESPN and Charter dispute. This is an industry that is facing some very strong headwinds. This expansion of the, of the ACC, of the Big Ten, Big 12, etc., is built on the assumption that cable television money is going to be there forever. And it sure looks like that might not be the case. In your reporting and talking to executives and, and administrators in the Pac-12, They've gone through a very rough experience with their cable network. But the fact is that no matter what cable network you're on, it might not be there in 10 years. Is there any consideration to this expansion with the fact that we're all in a business, at least those of us in television, we're all in a business that is changing by the hour, it seems? Oh, it is. And and certainly this dispute between Spectrum, uh, Charter and ESPN is,
1: is like... You know the forefront of what's going to be happening, right? The the there is a inherent relationship between the cable bundle and its profitability and college sports conference realignment, and so there are a lot of folks who think that the bundle is not necessarily going to go away, but the profit pro the, it's going to. You know, there's not going to be as much money in the bundle, which means the pay TV distributors are not going to be able to fund college athletics like they have. And that is going to, at some point, spark another wave of realignment, right? Now, that could mean that the conferences kind of reform on regional uh, borders. Uh, It could mean that, you know, if there's less money, you know, this is the – analogy I, I like to get back to. If there's less money, how how long is Ohio State going to be willing to take the same amount from Fox as Rutgers gets, right? I mean, at some mm-hmm. point, Ohio's gonna, Ohio State's going to say, you know what? We're done. Either Rutgers is getting booted out of the Big Ten, or Ohio State is going to leave, and Michigan and Penn State are going to leave, and USC, and Texas and Oklahoma, and Alabama, and LSU and Georgia, and Clemson and Florida State, and they're going to all go and they're gonna all form a thirty or forty team mini NFL. And that's where all the money's gonna go. If there's less money, those schools are gonna go take it, they're not gonna be willing to share it. So the plight that has struck Oregon State and Washington State here in the past month, you know, it is really unfortunate. I, I feel terrible for that those schools and those athletes. But they're they're not the only ones. It's gonna happen. Now it may take a few years but it's going to happen to a lot of schools because the money is not going to continue to flow like it has. And the big boys are going to just get to the point where they're tired of sharing it. And they're going to say, too bad. We're we're going to form our own own game and we're, we're going to take our money
0: and run. And John, if that happens, what do you think becomes of the basketball tournament? What becomes of the college world series? Well, what I think should happen
1: and should, you know, is uh you know, that's a pipe dream a lot of times when it comes to the NCAA. But what should happen is is football should just create its own entity and let the NCAA let the other sports continue to go uh compete under the NCAA in a regional alignment. So we get everything kind of reverts to what it has been except for football. And the big football schools play in their own league. And everything else, you know. Then you got a, a second football league, you know, the 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 B tier, and that is basically, you know, the kind of the group of five schools, and that's just part of the NCAA. It's just the big thirty or forty football schools go their own way. Everybody else competes basketball, football, uh, basketball, softball, baseball under a regional format that the NCAA
0: oversees. Well, John, we know one thing for sure. Uh, it's going to change uh, from what we see today. <laughs> it may be. I may be calling you back next week. Who knows? The thing is,
1: but, you know, the thing is that what there are some folks who believe that what the ACC did by adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU is only going to hasten Florida St. and Clemson trying to get out eventually, right, and join the, right.
0: the SEC. Well, I mean, North Carolina told them they were against it, yeah, and they right. did it anyway.
1: So. You know, it's it, the ACC was in a weird spot where it did what it felt it needed to do to secure its future, and yet that exact same process expedited the the fracturing of the league. You know, down the road, it's a, uh, but but realignment is like that, and it is it's bananas, and and the laws of, of nature don't necessarily
0: apply. Strange bedfellows, my friend. John, thank you. And uh, we encourage all of our listeners uh, to keep up with John's work at Pac12Hotline.com. He's got a terrific podcast with his buddy, John Canzano. That's a must-listen. And I really, John, enjoyed this week's uh, interview with Chris Peterson, the former Boise State head coach. Um, It's a must-listen for college fans everywhere. So thank you, sir, for your time, and we hope to cross paths soon. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week. More Hoop Talk next week. Make sure you like and download Telefriend. We are here 52 weeks a year talking about the great game of college basketball. Until next week, Bob Aspen, saying so long.